Don't you hate it when that happens? I gotta, I gotta take this. Phew. Hey. Hey. Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? 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 Okay. All right. Uh, kind of busy. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Well, now, can you hear me now? Now. Now? What about now? You know, we've been talking for weeks about these, about these now moments. To live in the now. And one thing that I've learned, I've come to realize is it's always now. You know? It's now. And it's and it's now. It's now. You're saying the future is now. Well, you know, it's going to be. Because now is now. Now is not then. Now is now. But, you know, like later, you know, it's going to be now. It's not now yet, but it's, it's, it's got now potential. Then, no, that's not now. That's not going to be now. Because that's then. This is now. But now is going to be later. Does that make sense? Well, Damon gave several messages on staying in the now, and, and, and he started with this really great one. You remember that? He was in the graveyard, and he looked at a, at a, you know, a headstone, and it said, born and died, and there was that dash between it. And his, his topic was between the dashes. What happens between those two dates? It's important that you stay in the now. How are you marking eternity? It's important. And then he talked about, his next sermon was about now passion, living each moment to the fullest, you know, and using your time and your talent and your treasures for eternity. That was a good one. Then he talked about now sacrifice. You know, sacrificing now. And sacrifice, how it's, it's rooted in love. And he came up with this great word called there's safe That's It's safe. You know, and that's kind of rooted in obligation instead of love. And then he had now living boldly. You know, don't hesitate. Live in the moment boldly. And he came up with that great phrase, I am the one. This is the place. And now is the time. Very good. You remembered. Then he talked about now living with power. And we, he talked about the little boy who brought his lunch you know, the fish and the loaves, and Jesus took it and he fed 5,000, probably 15, 20,000, living with power. And our obligation is to just, you know, ask God for help because he will use what we have. It's an important lesson to learn. And then last week he talked about now, no regrets. No regrets. Throughout history, and he went through all these folks Abraham, Moses, David, Jesus, and he outlined the history of God's, of God's power of these, of these, you know, really great figures in our Christian history. And then we took our turn and we brought our lunch bags up. Remember? 
It was great. And I want to encourage you today to stay in the now. Stay there. Why? Because it's always... Because it's always... All right, that's how I had it in my head. Good. All right. It's always not... You know, I... I, I really, for, for, for me, you know, the, you got this great big thing that says now, and it's huge. And I, today, I, I, want, I, I, want, I want to talk about later. <laughs> so today, just imagine, just imagine it's, you know, it's a big T, and it's got an L-A and an E-R, you know. So it's, this is later. Okay. God will come through. You know, stay in the now, even in the later. Hebrews 12.1 says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let's look at that for a second. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. You see, in the previous chapter, the writer of Hebrews wrote about what Damon preached about last week, is this faith hall of fame, Abraham, Moses, David, everybody, all the real you know, rock stars of faith throughout history of the church, Christianity. And so our writer here is saying, run with perseverance the race. Don't give up. Keep going. Don't get discouraged. It's, a ra- it's not a sprint. It's a race. It's more like a marathon. God is faithful now. And, and now, and now, and the nows just keep going and going and going. You know, I want to be an encouragement today. We have so many reasons to be optimistic. You know, I've said this before and I want to say it to, again because I think there are people that need to hear it. It's, a very, it's very simple, but it's profound. God loves you and he's not mad at you. God loves you. And he's not mad at you. Proverbs 18 says this, I love those who love me, and those who seek me find me. God is saying to you today, I love you. Look at Romans 8, 38, 39. For I am convinced, this is Paul writing, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Look at all that stuff that can't keep us from the love of God. And there's a lot. Let me ask you. Who else loves you that much? Not many. And this is the God of the universe saying this. This is the guy who snapped his fingers and all this came into existence. See, some people have a view of God that he's up in heaven holding on to this lightning bolt waiting for you to mess up. And as soon as you step on a line, bam! You know, he gets struck down by lightning and that's who God is. You know, he's here to mess up our good time. No. God loves you. Jesus called him Abba, Father. Better translated, Papa, Daddy. Loves you. You know, heard this story. This guy wants to buy a bird, and he, he kind of likes parrots. He wants to train him to talk, and he walks into a pet shop. 
And he asks the guy, he says, you know, I'd really, I'd really like to own, I'd really like to own a bird, teach it to talk, you know, parrot, whatever. And he says, well, I have just the one. This is a very, very smart parrot. He's got a great vocabulary. You know, there won't be much teaching to do. So he takes the cover off the cage and walks the man over there. He says, go ahead, say hello. Walks in and he says, hello? Parrot says, hello, hello, how are you? Steps back and then he says, well, I'm fine. Parrot says, oh, that's good, me too, that's good. He says, wow, I'll take it, but I don't know if I can afford him. How much is it? He says, hey, you know, that we, we're having a special on this week. It's $25. He said, are you serious? $25 for a parrot that can speak? He says, yeah. He says, well, wrap him up, I'll take him. So he gets him home, puts him in the living room, takes the cover off, and immediately finds out why he was so cheap. The parrot starts cussing up a blue streak that would make a sailor blush. You know, just, oh my word, what is this? So he's so embarrassed and he's trying to teach the parrot some good things, maybe some scripture verses or something like that, and the parrot is just laying it out there, you know, making it, but he, he's afraid to have anybody over. So he says, well, you know, I, I, you know I've got some people coming over to business meetings, so I'll just, I'll just leave the cover on. So he has the people over, and even with the cover on, the parrot's supposed to sleep, he's cussing up a blue streak in the background, just embarrassing to all get out. He says, that's it. Takes the cover off, grabs the parrot, walks over to the freezer, puts the parrot in the freezer, who is just cussing a blue streak the whole time, puts him in the freezer and cuts the door, and he can hear him in there. The parrot is just cussing and cussing. And all of a sudden, after maybe about 20 seconds, the parrot just stop, silent, nothing. He says, oh no, I hope I, didn't, hope I didn't kill the parrot. He walks over in the fridge and the parrot's standing there freezing. The parrot says, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, never do it again, never do it again, I'm sorry. <laughs> Grabs the parrot, puts him back in the cage. And he says, wow, that was, that was quite a change. You, you, you really are sorry? The parrot says, one question. What did the chicken that was in there do? And sometimes that's the view we have of God. Now he's, just, he's just waiting to stick us in the freezer when we mess up. No. God loves you. He's not mad at you. Be encouraged. We are to finish the race and stay in the now because it's always now. It's always now. It's always now. But there's, a whole, there's many, many reasons that we don't stay in the now. We get discouraged. We give up. Um, when we did our first message, we, there was a drama, and it was Nehemiah. And uh, Nehemiah was going to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem. You see, Nehemiah worked directly for the king. And what he did, he was a cupbearer. Now, it may sound like a cushy job, but a, a cupbearer is a taster for the king, and he's not tasting to see if it tastes good. He's tasting it so that if there's poison in it, he dies and the king gets to live. So he's a cupbearer for the king. What does that mean? It means he's very close to the king. He's on very good terms with the king. He's a very trusted friend of the king's. So he heard, Nehemiah did, that Jerusalem was in shambles. You know, the, 
the, the, uh, the temple had been, been rebuilt and everybody just gave up on everything else and there was rubble everywhere. The entire wall that surrounded Jerusalem was just torn down and in, in just in shambles. And here's where we, where we uh, can glean something from what Nehemiah did. You see, he asked the king if he could take some time off to go fix it. And oh, by the way, king, would you please pay for it too? And the king agreed. So Nehemiah went to Jerusalem and he rallied the troops and they got to work and here's where we pick up the story. Nehemiah talking. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height for the people worked with all their heart. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said the strength of the laborers is giving out and there's so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemies said before they know it or see it, we will be right there among them and kill them and put an end to their work. What happened? They started so great. You know, Nehemiah was going to rally the troops and they got things going. And they got the wall to half its height and they stopped. Well, in this scripture, we can see three things that cause us to give up and they apply to us today still. And the first one we see is exhaustion. You know, we just get tired. We wear out. Verse 10 says, the strength of the laborers is giving out. They got tired. They had worked a really long time. They got exhausted, tired, weary, worn out. You know, you all know this. It's like volunteering at the church when you start. You know, it's easy. And then you get into it for a while and, you know, it gets a little tiring. You know, when you're physically worn down like that, it's really hard to stay up emotionally and spiritually. Isn't it? I think you all can relate. Vince Lombardi said fatigue makes cowards of all of us. You know? So here, maybe, you know, you don't need encouragement to finish the race. Maybe what you need is a nap. You know? Maybe you need a break, a little vacation. You know, even... Even farmers rotate crops, you know. They leave a portion of the land fallow and let it heal, let it rest, because the farmers know that it produces a greater crop if you do that. And just like that, just like the, just like a, like the, like the land, we need to produce a greater crop. We need rest sometimes. Fred Taylor, the father of modern management, you know, people are more productive if they simply have a coffee break. And he discovered that. So you just need to rest. And we do get tired. And I think the the scripture tells us, well, when do we usually get tired? Verse 6 kind of says that. We we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height. It's usually about halfway through. You know, you get about halfway done comes at the midpoint. See, everyone has lots of energy at the start of a project. You know, you're into it, you're enthusiastic, your vision is on the end product, and man, you get into it after a while, the newness wears off. You get bored, you get tired, you get discouraged. All of that. You know, my whole life I've bought fixer-upper houses. I, I, I consider myself a pretty good home remodeler because I've had so many practices on it. But there's a pattern that emerges. You know, 
I have a lot of enthusiasm about the building, about this fixer-upper house, because it's got so much potential, and I, I, see, I see the vision, the end product. Man, this is going to be so great. But after you've done the demolition in your building, boy, it just wears out until, you know, finally, after about seven years, I finally got our bathroom remodeled. <laughs> you want to give up. Fatigue comes at the midpoint. That's when the discouragement sets in, doesn't it? You know. The second thing, another thing that takes us out of the now that we can see in, in the scriptures here is we get focused on our circumstances. Verse 10 says this. There's so much rubble that we can't rebuild the wall. What are they looking at? When Nehemiah wrote that, the people were looking at all the rubble because the walls had been completely knocked down and they're looking at the circumstances that they're in no way, we just can't do this. They're tired, and they're looking at the circumstances that they're in. So instead of, their, instead of the vision, the end product, they're focusing on all the junk that's around them. You know, They took their eyes off the prize, the vision. The people were saying that we're rebuilding the wall. We should have never taken this on. This is ridiculous. This was who do we think we are that we can rebuild Jerusalem's wall by ourselves? Who are we? This is, this, is, this is stupid. They were all discouraged because they weren't able to finish on time in the time that they had allotted for themselves. You know, their confidence was gone. They lost heart. You know, enthusiasm. It's all because they were focused on their circumstances. Well, another guy, you know, the story of another guy in the New Testament, that got focused on his circumstances. You know, when Peter was in the boat and saw Jesus walking on the water, he said, Lord, call to me, and I will walk to you. And look what happened. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to seek, he cried out, Lord, save me! I bet you he was about halfway there and looked around at his circumstances Lost his faith because he was looking at his circumstances. So what are your circumstances today? What's keeping you from staying in the now, in that moment? Your marriage? Is it a job not going well? Other relationships? Maybe finances? Is it health? What is it? What is it? What are your circumstances right now that you're focusing on? See, we get focused on those, and our circumstances consume us. And there's a third thing that takes us out of the now, and it's fear. Oh, boy. Verse 11 says this. Our enemies said, before they know it or see it, we will be right there among them and kill them and put an end to their work. Well, the workers were afraid as well. Yeah, they were tired. Yeah, they were looking at their circumstances, but they were also afraid. You see, there's a, let me give you a little of the background story here. You know, the enemies you know, of Israel didn't want this wall rebuilt. Of course they didn't. You know. The first thing they tried, they tried ridiculing the Jews. And then they tried criticizing the Jews, and then that didn't work. And then they threatened them and said, we're going to kill you if you continue to build this wall. And that worked. And why? Why were they so afraid? Who gets afraid? 
Well, in the very next verse, verse 12 says this. The Jews who lived near them, their enemies, came and told us ten times over. In other words, constantly yapping in their ear. Told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. The lesson here is if you constantly surround yourself with negative people who are constantly giving you negative feedback and complaining, you are going to be affected. How do you know when you're affected by fear? Well, when you want to run. You know, I've got to get out of here. I've got to quit my job. I've got to escape these demands, these pressures. I've got to get away. So the question is, what do you fear this morning? What are the fears that are keeping you out of the now moment, out of the now? Embarrassment? Failure? Having to be perfect? Pressure? There's lots of things that we get afraid of. Ask yourself, what's the fear? What's preventing you from grasping the now moment? Well, if you're discouraged this morning, it's going to be one of those three. Exhaustion, focusing on the wrong things, or it's going to be fear. You know, maybe you can do a checklist. What's causing these problems? And then once you identify one of these problems are, there are antidotes. Look at the antidotes to, these, to what's keeping you out of the now. And the first one is pretty simple. If you're tired, you rest your body. Easy as that. It's rest. See, the first thing Nehemiah did when everybody got discouraged was he started instituting holidays, giving people a day off and letting them have some rest. You know, Psalm 127 says this. God wants his loved ones to get their proper rest. You need to rest your body. Things will look so much better after a good night's sleep. You know, rest is so important that it made it into the Ten Commandments, didn't it? On the seventh day, we are to rest. That's how important rest is. And if you ignore that rest, you'll get discouraged. You will. The second thing you can do, the second antidote, is refocus on the Lord. If you're focusing on your circumstances, let's get refocused on what you're supposed to. Verse 14 says this, back to Nehemiah. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome. Remember the Lord. Remember? Focus. Refocus. It's this is, this is about God. It's not about this rubble. Refocus what you're doing. And us, we need to recommit spiritually, recommit ourselves to Christ. You know, draw on those spiritual resources. Get plugged in. There's plenty of opportunities to do that. You see, it's, it's hard to stay focused on the right things if Sunday's it, you know. If Sunday is the sum total of your relationship with God, it's not enough. You know, we've got small groups that you can go to. You can attend those. You see, your relationship with God needs to permeate everything in your life to help you focus on the Lord. Let me give you some practical tips. There's three things we need to do 
to focus on God. Three things we can focus on. We can remember God's goodness to us in the past. He's done some amazing things. Refocus on that stuff. You know, scientists say the healthiest, emo- the healthiest emotion is gratitude. You know, you've always heard that attitude of gratitude thing. Well, it's true. You remember God's goodness in the past, and secondly, you remember God's closeness to you right now, right in the present. He is with you right now. Look at Matthew 28. Jesus' words, Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Surely I am with you always. That includes now and now and now. You see, God is close to you right now. You're not in this alone. I mean, God Almighty is with you now. Third thing to remember, remember his power for the future. You know, over and over, the Bible makes promises to you for strength. The scripture is full of them. Isaiah 40 says this, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They'll soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. God is saying here, I will help you. I will strengthen you. I will see you through this. I'm here now. One more antidote to giving up, to not living in the now. It's read the word. You know, the easiest way to get your mind off of your fears is to read the word. Psalm 119 says this, I lie in the dust. Revive me by your great television show I can watch tonight and get my mind off of things. Lord, revive me by throwing me a surprise birthday party. Lord, revive me by, by shopping. All those are good things. But it's, Lord, revive me by your word. Real revival. The quickest antidote to giving up is to get into the word. You know, we need to get to a place where fear is replaced with God's peace. I love the story of Jonah. Talk about a guy who had reason for fear. He was thrown off a boat and swallowed by a whale or a large fish. And in the middle of it, look at this. When I had lost all hope, I once again turned my thoughts to the Lord. Now there's a guy who had reason for fear and how he got over it was the Lord. You know, as Christians, we are in a spiritual battle. We are. It's a supernatural struggle. This is mental combat. You know, the Bible says that the devil is the accuser of Christians. You know? And there is, there is an enemy. We do have an enemy. There is a Satan. 
And he is your accuser. He's the one whispering in your ears saying, you're not good enough. You know what? You're blowing it. You call yourself a Christian? I saw what you did. You're nothing. Give up. Give up. Forget this nonsense. The accuser. That's the accuser. It's your enemy. He's always accusing. James 4, 7 says this though. Resist the, resist the devil and he will flee. You see, we are at war with negative forces for your mind. What are you looking at? Ask yourself that. The problem or the solution? You need to change your mind. I want to encourage you this morning. We have the tools. It's a choice. What's causing you to give up? What's causing you to live outside the now? What is it? Are you going to finish that race? Are you exhausted, tired? You know, some of you need some rest. You know, you've got too much on your plate. A lot of us are like that. Your family life deteriorates. You drop out of church because you're too tired to go. God is there. He is Jehovah Rophe, the Lord who heals. That's his name. That's who he is to you. Are you focusing on your circumstances? Are you feeling like you're trapped, that you can't finish anything that you've started? He is Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. It's his name for you. Is it fear? What are you afraid of? Are you afraid of what other people think? Failing? Criticism? He is Jehovah Shalom. The Lord our peace. He brings that to you. That's who he is to you. He is God Almighty. Almighty. I know some of you are just barely holding on. Things don't look so good. God's word to you today is hold on. Hold on. Don't give up. The tide is out, but it'll come back in. It will. We serve. Another name for God is El Shaddai. I know it was a great song, but it means God Almighty. We're talking about God Almighty here is on your side and loves you. He says, I am here now and now and now. His name is Jehovah Shammah, which means the Lord is there now. That's your God. That's who's on your side. God Almighty.